Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. Um, so today we're talking with Father Tom Vandenberg. His book is Rediscovering the Pearl of Great Price. And Father Tom, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to what inspired you to write this book? For many years, I worked with Worldwide Marriage Encounter, and I worked with a lot of married couples over the years. And when I was able to understand the theology of the sacrament of matrimony. It just became very clear to me that we don't talk about it hardly at all. We only talk about marriage, and marriage and the sacrament of matrimony are not synonyms. They're they're um, they're very different, even though both are very beautiful and important. And um, when I was pastor, it was too difficult to to write and be a pastor at the same time. So when I retired eight years ago, it gave me the opportunity to. Uh, sit down and to work on this book, something I've been wanting to write for a long time, uh, because the theology of matrimony is truly beautiful, and we don't hear anybody talk about it. Most of what I've picked up, I picked up in my years of working with Worldwide Marriage Encounter, and it's the most positive view I've ever ever seen of the sacrament of marriage or sacrament of matrimony. I think I, it's definitely true uh, that we talk about marriage as a vocation and matrimony as a sacrament much, much less uh, than the other sacraments, and especially than the vocation of holy orders, which is becoming a sister or a nun or becoming a priest. Why do you think that Catholics tend to view marriage as a quote-unquote less holy vocation, um, or that the church ends up doing less to promote it than holy orders? Well, things have changed since Vatican II, but before that, there was sort of a hesitancy to speak about anything that had to do with the sex, to be quite frank. Mm. And the body was seen as something less holy than than everything else, it seems like, for the human person. And um, so it was seen as less than a life consecrated to God through the priesthood or the religious life failing to see that a person can be just as committed to God through the sacrament of matrimony as they are as a priest or as a nun. It too, as Vatican II says, it's a, a state of sanctif- a state that leads to sanctification. Uh, the, the marriage itself is a, is a means of holiness. And uh, I think that was lost over the years. A lot of historical reasons for it, but the important thing is now that we're recapturing or being able to see more clearly maybe than before the the dignity of the human body and the sacredness of the relationship of love of a husband and wife. Mm. And I really especially, especially in the Christian context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really love uh what you said in your book that you can tell a church's priority from its budget. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. 
right. I've never heard that before, and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. But it does seem like uh, more effort goes into promoting vocations, but you make a really excellent point that we're not going to have people to join holy orders if we don't realize that marriage is important right. <laughs> because we won't have anyone in right. future generations to join. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, that's certainly one way of looking at it. But just in itself, it's if we're on this earth to learn how to love, and I think that's why we're here, if we're made in the image of God, who is love, uh, that means then that we must develop the skill of loving. Mm-hmm. And where do we learn that more importantly than in the home? Yeah. There's no place that we can learn it better. So it seems like if we're on this earth to learn how to love any vocation that is committed by its very nature to the love relationship of two people is going to be critical and vital to the life of the church. And then furthermore, if we think of the Trinity as a relationship of love, we can see how the love relationship of a husband and a wife can even image for us not just God, but God as a as a, a dynamic of love, huh? As yeah. a as a dance of love, as some people will even call it, mm-hmm. and and the married couple in their relationship of love image for us God as a relationship of love. I hope that makes sense. Oh yeah, I really love the dance metaphor that you use of how God is the dance of Mm -hmm. love and how everyone in the church, not just married couples, can come to a deeper understanding of the Trinity from observing the very deep loving relationship in marriage. I think what you're saying is is kind of the, the critical piece in understanding the sacrament of matrimony from simple marriage. Mm-hmm. Simple marriage is wonderful. I I have no criticism of simple marriage between two people. And what makes uh, the sacrament of matrimony different from simple marriage is not that God is in it. God is present where love is. Huh? God is present in Jewish marriages and Muslim marriages and God is present even in atheist marriages, but I never tell them because they get so upset. <laughs> but, but God is present where love is, okay? Mm-hmm. But what's unique about the sacrament of matrimony or a Christian marriage, we could say it that, that way if we wanted, is that the, um, the couple don't just image God creator, but Jesus the Redeemer, the one who loves us, who gives himself to us in love. Mm-hmm. And so since the two are baptized into the life of Christ, they make the love of Christ real and believable through their lives, through their love for each other, to touch the people in their lives, meaning their children, their family, friends, people they work with, and so forth. And so the marriage then, we see, is not just for the couple. You see, that's the kind of the problem of our world today is that we see marriage as, well, it's for the couple. For the two of us get married, it's just between the two of us. And it isn't just between the two of us, uh, two people. In fact, they learn that very quickly once they have a child. Huh? <laughs> and and it, it's no longer just for them. In fact, they realize that their love for each other is also to embrace the love of this child. Mm. And that... That, that that in the kind of wonderful design of God, huh? That 
uh, all of humanity is called to the way of love, and a sign of that presence of love are married couples in their midst. And those who are Christian even represent the love of Christ in its compassion, its forgiveness, uh, in his mercy. And I think that the, uh, the distinction then is to realize that in the sacrament of matrimony, it's a vocation that God calls couples to for the life of the church. And the life of the church does not exist for the church. It exists as to be a sacrament of Christ's love for the world. Mm. It's In other words, it's a means how Christ, uh, how God in his fullness calls the whole world to a way of life of love. And the instrument or the sacrament that calls that, the sign of his love that is present in our world is especially visible and tangible in the love of a husband and a wife for each other who are living in the spirit of Christ. That's I really that beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's totally incredibly beautiful. beautiful. And I really love that understanding as well because I don't think even Catholics, we throw around this word sacrament all the time. I don't think we've ever really thought about what separates a marriage from the sacrament of matrimony and mm-hmm. definitely Protestants would say, I would say, and I was really surprised to learn that the Catholic church considers a marriage between two baptized Protestants to be sacramental. Absolutely. Um, if, we accept their bap- if we accept their baptism and we do, uh, then they too are sharing in the life of Christ. Huh? Mm-hmm. And together they image. Now, they may not accept that theology, huh? Yeah. But I can remember um, after a conference we were talking about this, and there were a number of people who weren't Catholic there. And I remember a couple coming up to us afterwards and saying, I wish we had the sacrament of matrimony in our church. And in other words, they didn't see it as a sacrament as we see it as a sacrament, but it was there. God was still using the couples in that particular denomination to make his love real and believable in the world. And so what a gift to know that, Mm. you know, what a gift for our Catholic couples to discover that or to rediscover that, as I would call it, the pearl of great price. Yeah. is that our couples are now living signs of Christ's presence. And another piece of this that is fascinating that most couples have never, ever thought of, ever thought of, and that is that as a sacrament of Christ's love. Huh? In other words, the sacrament of matrimony isn't a, a, a certificate that they can hang on the wall huh? uh, or the day of their wedding. You know, it's, They become the living sacrament of Christ's love. They become marriage in the world today, lived out through them. And the thing that's so marvelous is that, and they've never heard this, is that they deserve to be believed in. Mm. Just as we believe in baptism, as we believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, as we believe that the Holy Spirit comes to us through confirmation, as we believe Jesus touches the sick through the sacrament of healing, as Jesus forgives through the sacrament of reconciliation, Jesus touches us with his compassion and his love through the sacrament of a married couple. For instance, 
as a priest, I really couldn't function as a priest if I didn't think my people believed in me. Mm. I couldn't do it. In St. Mark's account of the gospel, it even says that Jesus could perform no miracles in Nazareth because of the people's lack of faith in him. That's astounding. Mm. So how the, to be believed in empowers us, enables us. And, and when we believe in our married couples, our sacramental couples, the two baptized into Christ, when we believe in them as sacraments, they're empowered then and encouraged and enabled to, uh, to appreciate their vocation as never before, that they deserve to be believed in. It isn't just believing in, in priests or nuns or somebody else, huh? Mm. that they deserve to be believed in as part of our faith. Mm. Our, most of our couples have never, ever heard that. In fact, in the countless uh, seminars and so on that I've given in retreats on this, I've always asked how many of you have ever been told that you were believed in, mm. you know, aside from maybe their little kids when they're just little. And none of them have had that, that awareness that they deserve to be believed in. And to lead to it, I, when a couple comes in to get married, I said, how did you feel when you realize that she believed in you, I'll say to the guy. Or how did you feel when you realized that he couldn't imagine the future without you in it because he believed in you so much and wanted to spend the rest of his life with you? And they both say, one says, I felt like a king. I felt like a queen. It's because they're believed in. Mm. And that's, that's what empowers us. Just think of, you know, we say we're being unfaithful, huh? An act of infidelity between a husband and a wife, one is saying to the other, I don't believe in you anymore. Wow, yes. You see, I've gone somewhere else. I've done something that violates our commitment of love. See, and that, and it's, it's received as, he doesn't believe in me anymore. And that's devastating. Yes. You see, so the importance of being believed in, and I really believe that, that, that bishops and priests and really everyone needs to have a sense of believing in our sacramental couples. And just as, as they believe in their priests or bishops. Mm. Now, obviously that, and because people believe in us so much, and they really do, and it's it's humiliating in some ways, huh? <laughs> Rather, it's humbling. Let's put it that way. But when we violate that faith, that's why it's so sad. For instance, with the abuse scandal that uh, that, that continues to linger on, you know, mm -hmm. the aftershocks of that uh, are so devastating because they violated our faith. Mm -hmm. See, that's what's so painful. But it's so good to know that we're believed in by the church. And that's why I think our bishops and our priests need, to, when they pray for vocations, is to remember to pray for vocations to the priesthood, religious life, and the sacrament of matrimony. Because it's all part, they're all part of our faith and priesthood and matrimony above all are sacraments. But our religious also need to be believed in this as sacred and holy people and signs of God's love as well, of course. Mm -hmm. 
but but to be believed in is an important dimension of marriage or the the sacrament that nobody ever thinks about. Yeah, definitely. I would say I've never heard that before. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Definitely, really, an important thing for the life of the church and the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so we've mentioned a couple. What are some other ways in which married couples contribute to the life of the church or things that we all can learn from them? Well, we can start in the home. And the greatest gift that a father can give his children is to love their mother. Mm-hmm. The greatest gift a mother can give her children is to love their daddy. Mm-hmm. You see, the love that created them, that conceived them, is the love that continues their creation. Wow. And then they begin to see that love is at the heart of what life is about. You see, and moms and dads can have their fights now and again, but if the children see that, they also have a right to see mommy and daddy make up and to show love for each other in the simple ways that they can do it in a home. And so one of the things that that the, uh, the married couple does is that they show the children what love looks like. Wow. And that's the most important thing a child can learn. Um, Robert Fulgham in his book, um, All You Need to Know Can Be Learned in the Kindergarten, well, there's a lot of good stuff in that book. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. The most important things you can't learn in the kindergarten because the kindergarten ends at 4 o'clock. There's no after hours in a home. Love is what the child needs to experience and he, and he learns the ways of love from watching mom and dad and the way mom and dad love and treat them. And that it's different than in a kindergarten. I'm not knocking his book and I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying there are other things that need to be learned that are even more important than being kind and sharing and being thoughtful and so forth. Mm. And so that's one area that just the influence on the children that they learn the ways of love at home and that that love does involve getting along and all those other things. And then probably the the thing that I'm most conscious of is that how we need need to learn the ways of forgiving. I don't know anybody who's better at forgiving somebody else than a husband is for his wife or his wife is for her husband. I don't know people that work as hard to forgive than our married couples. Mm-hmm. You see, and I think we can learn that in the church. See, there's a lot of division we talk about in the church. We've got people here and people over there. But that's hurting us. You see, where the power is in a marriage is in the relationship. It isn't in the husband. It isn't in the wife. It's in what's going on between them. There's a statement that uh, Bishop uh, Robert Morneau of Green Bay, Wisconsin, said once to us priests in Seattle. He said, the main thing is to know the main thing and to keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) That sounds sounds funny, but it it just the main thing is to know the main thing. If I'm driving somewhere, the main thing is to get there safely. The main thing is to know the main thing 
and to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing in a marriage? That's the question. Most couples can't tell you what the main thing is in the marriage. See, they haven't thought about it. They haven't thought like this. What the main thing in the marriage is what's going on between the husband and the wife. It's their relationship. Mm. That's the most important thing. And they might argue about money or they might argue about sex or they might argue about in-laws or careers. But those are not the main thing. The main thing are what money and sex and, and in-laws and careers are having upon the relationship. That's the main thing. That's the test right there. Are they more important than our relationship? In a marriage, nothing is. See, where love is, that's where God is. Mm, yeah. See, all of the energy is in the relationship. That's even true in the in the material world. The moon is kept in place by its relationship to the sun and the earth. Mm. The gravitation keeps it right in place, huh? If the if the uh, the, the 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 earth ceased to exist for some reason, the moon would be sucked right up into the sun. You see, it's 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 in the relationship, even in the atom. Where you got a proton and a neutron and an electron swirling around each other somehow, huh? And but the energy isn't in those particles. The article the energy is in the space between them. And when you crack open the atom, what do you have? Energy released. We call it a bomb. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. See, the power, the power of a marriage is what's going on between us. Now, the power of a parish is what's going on between the people, between the people and the priest, the priest and his people. Is it a love relationship? Suspicious relationship, trusting relationship, non-trusting? Is it joyful or is it critical? See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so the married couple is telling us that the most important thing about the church is our love for one another. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? By this, they will know you are my disciple. Mm -hmm. Not that we go to mass every day. Not that we say the rosary every day. Not that we're on our knees when we do our prayers, all of which are wonderful and good, and I'm in favor of them. <laughs> but what's our love for it? But by this they will you know you are my disciples, your love for one another. Yes. It's right at the heart of the gospel. And who better teaches the ways of love than a married couple? Hmm. I don't know any. You know, yeah. my parents, my book is dedicated to my parents, Albert and Joyce Vandenberg, and underneath the, the little dedication, I simply say, it all began with them. And that's my life. Mm. It all began with them. You know, they were simple people, ordinary people. But they loved each other. You know, and they loved us. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I was born during the Depression, the Great Depression. And, you know, people thought my father was crazy he had somebody criticize him because he had four children born during the depression where they couldn't hardly feed him you know but his love was strong enough for his wife and hers for him they were open to life 
That's the only reason I'm here, because I'm the fourth of four. <laughs> you know? But that's really the truth, isn't it? Huh? So that, that, that love between the husband and the wife is the important thing, what's going on between them. And we have to learn that in the church. And one of the sad things as a result of the, uh, the abuse scandal is there's been a lot of trust lost yeah. between pe- the priests and his people or between the bishops and their people. And that there's got to be some way to build that trust back. And it's only if we work on our relationship with one another and forgive one another and encourage one another and believe in one another. That's what's going to get it back and address the differences that we have in a way that's going to give us life. Not to When a couple fight, they never fight to beat the other. I hope they're fighting for their relationship. So they both can come out winners. Huh? Because when a husband defeats his wife or a wife defeats her husband, they both lose. Yeah. You say, we don't want to lose. We want win-win if we can. Mm-hmm. I hope this makes sense. You oh, know, totally. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So <laughs> anyway, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So those are other ways, you know, that we touch the world. And, but it, it's it the power is in the relationship. The power is in what's going on between us. That's the critical piece, it seems to me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's really, really beautiful. It really is. It's a picture mm-hmm. of what true marriage should be and how people look at marriages and how people love each other in a marriage. And that does reflect how Christ loves the church. So, we should be the examples of the best examples of how people can uh, love mm-hmm. each other, and how and, and the devastation that children feel when their parents can't make it work. Of course, they would feel betrayed in a way because well, the children, their greatest fear is that their parents are going to separate. Yeah, they're going to be. They're afraid they're going to be abandoned. I remember many many years ago, it was during the Cold War. And there was a movie on television, uh, I think it was called The Morning After. And it was, the idea was that both the United States and Russia sent off their, their rockets with atomic warheads at each other. And the, the, the big explosions, okay. And The Morning After was the devastation. <clears throat> there was a great deal of hype over this television movie. And a local school district uh, in the greater Seattle area, did a survey of the children and what they were afraid of. Nuclear war was way down the list. Their number one fear was that their parents would separate. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you know? yeah. and, and then, uh, see, that's the fear. In fact, I was saying this in a talk, and after the talk, a woman came up to me and she said, when I was about six years old, my parents separated for every night for several months, I would go in after bedtime, open the door to see if my mother was still in the bedroom mm. sleeping. That was the fear of this little girl. And it's, gosh, we can't do that to our little ones. Mm. We've got to find a way of healing. And there are ways of healing, but we have to work at it. And and I, again, I don't know if anybody works harder than trying to to heal one another 
than our married couples. Yeah. Yeah. I just. Mm-hmm. And it really does. I mean, I can speak uh, a little bit to this because my parents got divorced when I was seven, but it really creates a lasting impact not only on trust with other humans, but on how you can trust God. Mm. And uh, well, that's how, that's how the child gets to know God. Yeah. <laughs> most 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 guys relate to God as they related to their father. If God, if their father was mean to them, God's mean. Yeah, wow. You see, that's not living up to our vocation. That's why we need to know that how important we are in God's plan. You see, we're all made in the image of God. And no, but nothing images God better than the relationship of love of a husband and a wife. Right, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, I can't do it just by myself. Right. I, I've got to do it with someone, huh? So that's why it's so important. And if I'm made in the image of God, okay, myself, then God wants to be expressed somehow through me. My gift to the world, your gift to the world is you. But it's you when you are allowing the divine to come through your humanity as is it Laura or, or as Mary Ashley. You see, that's you. nobody loves, can love the way you do. Nobody. If we just knew that, then if we need, maybe it needs to be pointed out more. But, and what sin does, it distorts our humanity. Yes. You see, just, have you ever been to a fun house where they got these kind of distorted mirrors? Mm-hmm. And you look and your legs are about nine feet long and your mm-hmm. body's about <laughs> a foot long. And you look really funny and you laugh at it. Well, sin does that to our humanity. Well, yeah. See, it distorts us as human beings. In fact, some of the things that we can do to one another are so severe, we say they're inhuman. Uh, I, think they, I think our couples can teach us a lot about spirituality. You see, we're not human beings struggling to be spiritual. And we think we've got to be more spiritual. We're already spiritual. We're made in the image of God, for heaven's sakes. Right. What we have to do is to become more human. Mm. We are spiritual already, and our struggle is to become more human. Jesus was the Son of God who expressed divinity in the way that the human being can understand it as human beings. Ah, now I get it. What does God look like as a human being? We find that God is compassionate and loving and forgiving and kind. You see, that's what God, and strong, committed to truth. You see, well, those become the image of what it means to be a human being. And the way I think that a husband and a wife are meant to act, especially with each other, demands the greatest of their humanity because they are so vulnerable with each other, especially when they're being tender and intimate. Oh, it's a human act. Sexuality isn't just an animal thing it's meant to be very human huh mm. and so the tenderness the joy the love that i bring to the, the act of love huh is going to be one of the most human things i do yeah and so you know we're we're called then to be really wonderful human beings and the best human being the best human beings we call saints so that's the, 
Yeah, that's within range. I, when I was in the seminary many, many, many years ago, I thought I was a saint. It only lasted a week. <laughs> but, but it was a good week, but I'm glad it only lasted a week. Because it dawned on me, you know, like I felt really holy. I felt the nearness of God is what I was feeling, I'm sure. And I thought, well, maybe I wonder if I'll ever levitate or bilocate, you know, like some of the great saints. Uh, I didn't really want the stigmata because I knew that would hurt and I wasn't <laughs> going to be that great of a saint. But I realized after the week, it, it was all beyond me. It was I was never going to be able to do any of that stuff like a real saint. I, I wasn't like that. I had clay feet still. And so I, when I learned that, that saintliness is really being the best human being I can be, I found out that was all within reach. It was being more kind, more thoughtful, more forgiving, more gentle, more loving, being more committed, you know, more loyal, more faithful. See, those are the human qualities that give us life. They're the ones we, the people with those qualities. Those are the qualities, by the way, we talk about when somebody dies. You see, they, those are the, we call them the eulogy qualities, as opposed to the, um, the qualities when you're applying for a job. Right. You see, they, I'm, I'm powerful. I'm, 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 I'm committed. I'm, I'm a, a good achiever. I can uh, do all sorts. I'm so smart. I'm strong. I, I can do all this stuff. They don't talk about that when a person dies. They talk about what kind of a human being they were, not the skills they had. You get the difference? Yeah. You know, where do we learn this stuff? We learn it above all in a home. That's where it begins. Huh? That puts us on the right road. There's a lot to learn after we leave home. But that puts us on the right road. That's why moms and dads are so critical. But even couples that don't have children, and, and they, they struggle with that, and it's so hard for them. But even if they go through that, you know, they still have so much to give because they love each other. And they're making the love of Jesus real and believable by the children they adopt or by the people they work with or serve, reaching out in other ways to the community with love because they've got love to give and love of its nature wants to give itself. And so I, I'm so sad when, when I hear of people that don't want to get married, you know, I don't want to be bothered with that. What a shame. They're losing one of the great gifts that they have in life to be committed to another person and to have somebody committed to them. Oh my, what a gift that is. You see, it's one. I've been a priest now for I don't know 54 years or something like that, and the toughest part of celibacy, I think, is is knowing that there isn't that person who's committed to love you anyway, to love you when it's hard to love you. See, our married couples are, you know, he's gosh, he's doing it again. I still love him, but he what an idiot he is, you know. <laughs> But I, but I still love him, huh? There's nobody committed to love me that way. And I think that's the biggest thought. We don't think of it in those terms. We always think of it in the sexual terms. But to have somebody who is committed to believe in me, and then that very same person has me committed to believe in them, what a gift they are to each other. Do you get the idea? 
You see, what a gift it is to have somebody yes to believe in you, but sometimes you don't want to believe in them because they do stupid stuff. We all do right. dumb things, but they believe in us anyway, or especially if I should hurt you yeah. and you still love me. Yeah. Wow, I don't deserve it. And that's when it becomes clearer than anything else that love is a gift. Yeah. We've never earned it and never, ever in a thousand years. It's always a gift. And to have somebody who's loved me so much that they've surrendered themselves to me or me to somebody else, it doesn't get better than that. You see? Now, we can surrender ourselves to God, and God has certainly surrendered himself to us. If we could remember that, it would help us a lot. And that's true for, And that's true for all of us, really. You know, but, but the married couple mirrors that in a very real concrete way and i really believe that jesus touches us at those moments again i hope this makes sense oh yeah <laughs> we're just letting you talk because yeah. everything you say is just wonderful so awesome and amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. well it is wonderful and the way we've been gifted by god is is beyond what we can comprehend it's yeah. all gift really and maybe I'm just seeing a little bit better now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. I don't have to achieve and to do all those things anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more what a gift life is and the people in my life. I, I was watching the football game yesterday with a couple in the parish, and I, I said to them, you know, we've been friends for 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, they were in a parish where I had been before, and, I was sent here and they moved over this way, not knowing that I, before I even came here. And here we, are, we were able to connect again. And But for 40 years to have friends like that, what a gift that is. Right. Yeah. It's, all, it's all gift, you know. And it isn't that people have to do anything extraordinary if you're living the sacrament of matrimony. It's doing the same things that, that they would have done anyway, but now with greater purpose. Yeah with greater awareness, with a greater understanding of the gift of God present in their lives, with a greater sense of their worth, their dignity mm. as a married couple. As I kind of like to say, they're, they're not just pawns on, on the ecclesial chessboard, yeah. but they are able to have the dignity of rooks and knights and bishops and priests, you know, united with our queen to serve our king. Mm. See, we stand together, you know, all of us together as the body of Christ, each gifted in our own particular ways, but nobody gifts us quite the way that a married couple does. And if we could somehow get that message across to our young people when they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, you know, it could make a major difference, not only in their life, but in our life and in the life of our world, I think we've got to change the world from the inside. It's got to come from our hearts mm. because that's where all the energy is, huh? From heart to heart, what's going on between us. And we've got to make it better than it is right now. Yeah. And especially with the election and everything, there's so much rancor oh, yeah. and distrust and, and it's, it's just ugly. It's almost inhuman, huh? Yeah. Almost inhuman. And it's got, there's got to be a better way. 
and there is a better way. And Jesus has shown us that way. It's interesting. There was a wonderful special on TV, I think probably last summer or spring, on Einstein and, and how he developed the E equals MC squared as a formula to help us understand the physical world. One of my priest friends said to me, when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, is to human relationships what E equals MC squared is to physical relationships. In other words, the physical world. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the important thing. We teach E equals MC squared in our schools, and we're silly not to. We're negligent not to. Yeah. But to but to teach love one another as I have loved you in our schools mm-hmm. is against the law. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. As a tribute. See, to that religion. in itself that in itself justifies Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. You see, that in itself justifies a Catholic school. But what a tragedy. But we've now made it against the law to teach what Jesus taught us. Mm. Love one another as I have loved you. Just think about it for Jesus a second. Jesus was a victim who never played the role of a victim, who never created a victim. Mm -hmm. All he said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If we could get that within the church, and I'm speaking through Christianity, It would transform the world. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Because we, we, we all want to play the role of the victim. And we certainly want to create other victims. But Jesus said, no. There's another way to stop the violence. Yeah. Love one another as I have loved you. Yes. And who models that? Love me, sweetheart, as I love you. That's how we do it in the home. And we don't do it perfectly. We're not Jesus. Yeah. But that's our heart's desire. And especially when a couple marries, that's clearly their heart's desire. And so we have to keep building on that and encouraging that. And that's why we need to keep drawing on the grace of God to live the gift that he's given to us. Amen. So anyway. Yeah. Now you know, now you know everything I know. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I know you mentioned a couple different things, but I am curious to ask you how you think we can promote and strengthen marriages in our communities. And especially if you think that there are things that we can do to better prepare people for marriage. Well, I think teaching this method, this idea is the important thing. I think it, the, the, teach the importance of the relationship and that God is a part of that. It's part of God's vision for the humanity mm-hmm. that it's not good for the man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that, you know, and that the, what the couple naturally want with each other. Nobody told them to fall in love. <laughs> it's, you know, they didn't. It happens and you fall. It's a surrendering of its very nature to one another which is an amazing thing, you see. And so I think I would start with that. I would, on a very practical level, I would do things in a parish that uh, encourage uh, marriage. I would certainly, when I'm praying for vocations, 
I would pray for the sacrament of matrimony every bit as much as for priests and for nuns. In fact, I maintain there's as much a shortage of couples who understand the sacrament of matrimony as there is a shortage of priests in the church today. Yeah. No question about it. They don't have any sense of what the vocation is. So many of them don't. And that's so sad. And I feel sorry for them. I'm not blaming them. And I'm not blaming our bishops and priests. It's only been in, really since Vatican II that they've even started to put a spotlight on marriage as something special and sacred. So it's about time. But now we've got to pick it up and run with it. I think that having things like a couple's nights out or a special evening with a, a special mass for our married couples followed by a dinner dance or, or something just to where a priest can get up and tell his couples, I believe in you. I thank you for your struggles to love each other because it means so much to us and so much to me. Just to tell them that, to reinforce that. And that's one of the things we did when I was pastor here at St. Vincent's Parish in Federal Way, Washington, was, was to do that every year. To give me an opportunity to speak to them and to thank them and to tell them that I believed in them. And I know it meant something to them. I think that, that our vocations offices should not be just locations for priesthood and religious life. Yeah. I have nothing against I have nothing against priesthood and religious life. I are one, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but but vocations is bigger than that. I can remember a calendar I got oh, three or four years ago now that that had it was on vocations and they went through priesthood, religious life and all kinds of things. They finally on the, December was dedicated to to lay ministry as a vocation. No month mentioned the sacrament of matrimony. Wow. Not one month. They could have given us at least, or given you couples or the couples, at least February. It's a crummy month. <laughs> you know. but, it's, but it's got Valentine's Day in it, you know? And I really think they could have done that. So I think that's it. I think encouraging things like Worldwide Marriage Encounter where couples are, 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 are encouraged, are given a technique of communications with each other that, that changes their lives. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. Or wonderful, what other great things that are out in the church to encourage, you know, symposiums and conferences on, on marriage and family life. And there are things going on in the country, but we need to learn with learn from other dioceses and parishes what what's working for them you know what good good practices what what are things going on and then encourage them i don't know why the diocese for instance in most par in most dioceses don't encourage let's say marriage encounter yeah. you know why isn't it? It, it they don't run it but they can encourage it it's it's certainly orthodox and it's certainly you know, in keeping with the gospel, and it's about love, and it's about the sacrament. Right. You know, we should we should be beating the drum for those things, but nobody hears about it. They don't even know what's going on. Yeah. So I think there are things we can do that that would be a place where I would begin. But but I think maybe all of us can say to mom and dad, thanks for loving each other. Mm, yeah. You know, and I think it starts with the simple things like that, or are just doing something special to acknowledge people who are having anniversaries and and let them know that you love them and believe in them. Your friends, your brothers, your sisters, you know, your husband, your wife, you know, whatever the situation is, you encourage your friends, you know, tell them what a gift the two of you are. 
and it means a lot to you that they're married, that's telling them you believe in them. You know, it's little stuff, little things. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a TV show. Mm-hmm. But, but it's got to be from the heart. Yeah. And, and then we ask for God's continued blessings upon our couples who struggle hard. And when a couple don't make it sometimes, I don't have to condemn either of them. Yeah. Life is difficult, and I don't think there's anything more difficult than truly loving in the spirit of Jesus. Right. It's the greatest rewards, but it's, it's not easy. And we've all lived, I hope, long enough to experience some of that. It's hard to love, huh? Yeah. And yet there's nothing like it. Without it, there's no life. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think we tend to see com- vocations as kind of competing. Like, if I support one, it's like taking away from the other, or even as a single person, feeling like I felt like there isn't really a vocation for me. But it's a really good reminder that. I can still love and encourage others within the community. Look at it this way. That married couple, their love is for you. It is calling you to love. See, the married couple, they're assigned to us of what that love is meant to be. And they touch us with their love. Why? So that we will be more loving. See, and then you have the opportunity to reach in areas that married couples can't reach. You can connect with single people in ways married couples can't. Mm. You see, and just to love them and to let them know you believe in them. Because yeah. yeah. they're worthy of believed in too. They're baptized. They're the sacrament of baptize, baptism alive today and confirmation today. You see, don't don't sell those two sacraments short. <laughs> We're just living out our baptism through priesthood, in my case, through confirmation. If you're not married, I, I don't know what your situation is, but but or through the sacrament of matrimony or religious life or as a as a, a brother or whatever. But we're living out the baptism. The key is the baptism. Yeah. We've been configured into Christ. Now, how is Christ going to touch the world through me? Well, I hope he's He's doing it the best he could have done through me as a priest. Yeah. You know? And, and he's going to do it the best through some people as singles. Some people the best way as married people. Then you have those some of those people that, that wanted to be married. It just didn't happen. Or maybe they wanted to be married and their spouse died. You know, when they were young, mm. you know, we don't know what's going to happen, yeah. but we need one another just as the hand needs the foot, mm. you know, the ear needs the eye, the whatever. You see, we, we, every part of our body is important. It's got a, got a place to play. If you don't think your thumb is important, hit it with a hammer <laughs> and then you know how, then you're reminded of how important it is. Okay. Now the thumb doesn't make the headlines very often. And maybe our single people don't make the the prayers of the faithful very often. You should, by the way. There should be prayers Mm -hmm. of the faithful for you as much as for anybody else Mm -hmm. if you're single. I don't know you, but if you are single, single, I just, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there's some guy out there looking for you, so (laughs) keep keep your eyes peeled. (laughs) Thank you. And when you find find him, he won't have a chance, I'm sure. So. 
because I didn't think that anything could make me want to be married any more than I already did. But reading your book, I was like, oh, my gosh, it, it really made me want to be married. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it showed me all these all these new aspects to marriage that I'd never considered. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's been a gift to be able to write it. And I learned it from married couples and this wonderful priest that I knew in New York, Father Chuck Gallagher, who is just a magnificent priest. Father Chuck was a Jesuit priest. He died just a couple of years ago and was really my mentor in trying to understand the stuff that I've been sharing with you today. I don't take any credit for it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, but it's the, you just watch couples and they're extraordinary. The things that they do, you know, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. It's a great vocation. Tough, tough, you know. I have a dear brother, my oldest brother. He lost his wife last September, a year ago, September, to Alzheimer's, and she was sick for 14 years. Wow. And I remember a Christmas or two ago, he was sitting next to her. She hardly knew who he was by this time. She was just sitting there. And he just reached over and just kissed her on the neck, a simple sign of love. Another time I was, he, she came, she would sleep in until about two in the afternoon and then came in and I was having a cup of tea with my brother and and uh, she was very plain looking. Her hair was, of course, gray by now and she was in her 80s and, and uh, straight and she had a little cotton dress on. She had no makeup and she probably combed her hair with her hand, you know, with her fingers. And she came in to fix something to eat. And Jim looked at her and he looked at me and he said, isn't she beautiful? Mm. Yeah, well, see, that's seeing with the eyes of love. That's what I think. That's what I think Jesus came to do for us is to help us see with the eyes of love. Mm, and we okay. and we see with the eyes of love, it changes everything. It's like, I think it was G.K. Chesterton that said, I see God as I see the rising sun in the morning, not because I look at, at it and see it, but because I see everything in the light of it. It's mm, beautiful. That's see, if we see, if we see the world in the light of the gospel. Yes of the teaching of Jesus about love, Mm. it will transform our world. And that's the challenge that's laid before us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely a wonderful thing that we all need to keep in mind. (laughs) That we all need to, yes. We all need to learn from. So where can listeners find your book? I know that I found it on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to any bookstore. It's available on Kindle. Mm-hmm. You can get it. You can get it on Kindle as well. But any bookstore uh, will have it. And uh, just the the title of the book, "Rediscovering a Pearl of Great Price," or you can go Reverend Thomas L. Vandenberg, and you can find it that way. So that would be great. And I I hope it keeps selling. I have an opportunity to go to a parish this weekend and talk about a seminar that I'll be giving to the parish on Monday and Tuesday nights. And that's another thing that, that I try to do. If I can get out, I'd go to any parish anywhere practically and talk on the sacrament of matrimony. So Uh, that's another thing that can be done and encourage people to talk on the sacrament. 
Yeah. I tried to get I I tried to get the Los Angeles uh, Religious Ed Congress to have me or anybody to talk on the sacrament of matrimony. And I don't know what their their uh, talks are going to be this year, but uh, in the past, I've kept looking for something on the sacrament of matrimony, and they don't have anything. They haven't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would encourage that because what a wonderful place to be able to speak to this magnificent sacrament. Yes. Yeah. And I just don't I just don't know why it's it's not being picked up. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be me. I don't mean that. There's got to be somebody there that can speak to it, and we need to talk about it. You know, no wonder our people are walking away from it. They're walking away from marriage. Yeah. You know, there's no need to. It's one of the great gifts that we have. Again, that somebody committed to love you the way you are. If we don't love people the way they are, we don't love them at all. Mm. I can't love a memory. I can't love you the way you were. The day we got married, you know, it's too long ago. I I know too much about you now, huh? (laughs) And you know too much about me, but you love me anyway. See, what a gift that is. We know the church. We know the church is wonderful, but we also know the church has this dark side. We've seen it in the the abuse scandal, let's say. But I can still love the church the way it is. Because this is the only church we have. You see what I'm saying? See, like my, that's my spouse. That's the one I love. I'm committed to love her as she is. Why? Because God loves us the way we are. See, God loves us the way we are. Not the way he wished we were. No, he loves us the way we are. You know? And that's the way it works. Now, love one another as I've loved you. Yeah. Yeah. The way you are. That's the gift and that's the secret. That's the secret we have to shout from the housetops and hope someone will hear us. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast and for uh, talking to us. We're happy to help you spread this message. Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I hope it will be successful and be helpful for you. Thank you. And You bet. And this has been Father Tom Vander... Father Tom Vandenberg. This has been Vandenberg like Vandenberg like the Air Force Base in California. <laughs> oh, perfect. It's the same name. Okay. Perfect. And the book is Rediscovering the Pearl of Great Price, found on Kindle, on Amazon, and any bookstore. That's right. Mm-hmm. You can always order it from the bookstore if they don't have it. Great. Well, it's been mm-hmm. a pleasure. Thank you so much, Father Tom, and we look forward to maybe speaking with you again at some point. I would hope so. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye-bye now. So once again, that was Father Tom Vandenberg. His book is called Rediscovering the Pearl of Great Price. And you can find it on Amazon and Kindle and any bookstore. And he is the cutest. So cute. Little... I don't want to say that. That's that's horrible. I don't want to be condescending. But my goodness, it's like I want you to be my my other grandfather. I know. <laughs> what a sweetie pie. And he just had so many beautiful things to say about marriage, and it's what I said is really true. That I mean, <clears throat> I've always felt like my vocation was marriage, and I've always had a really deep desire to get married. But that book made me even want to get married. Even, Even more. more. Right. <laughs> Which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> and one of the things I did want to talk about was 
he's a priest. Yes. And he's not married, obviously. And I could see people saying, you're well, not what married. what do you know? What do you know? But as you and I were discussing, it's Jesus never mm, got married, not right? Not married. Yeah. But in the sense of that holy marriage to the church and the sacrificial yeah. way in which someone gives their life to either the church or to God, I feel like that is even a more transcendent way to experience love. And I feel like, especially because of his many years on this earth, that wisdom can only be reaped from. Yeah. He speaks into this subject in such a way that's so eloquent, on top of all the talks that he had with so many people over the years about yeah. marriage. That's what I think is really important, too. It's just uh, he comes from with this really objective perspective just from his work with so many marriages over the years. And I think sometimes if you're too close to marriage or, you know, um, if you're married yourself, you really see things through the lens of your own struggles. And that's kind of the root of your advice for people. And that's great. That can be really great sometimes because that could be exactly what someone needs to hear. Mm -hmm. But it's also really, really good to hear an outsider's, quote unquote, outsider's perspective sometimes. Right. And he just had so much grace about him. And I could see and somebody. Sincerity. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the authenticity there. And for somebody to seek counsel with him. Um, going into marriage or in marriage, I could see how that would be so fruitful. Totally. That was the first interview I've ever, that made me cry. Mm, we did have some wine. <laughs> we had like maybe, half a glass maybe. of port. Yeah, you're right. No, <laughs> no, he was, he was, I, I felt myself tearing up as well just because everything he said was so insightful and beautiful. And in that way that talks about love as a sacrifice and yeah. love of like giving in a way that's, just selfless yeah as it should be yeah you know and as a priest that has given himself in this vocation um to others i find him just so full of wisdom in yeah. that way which is great so again that was father tom vandenberg yeah we'll be sure to include the link on our website again the book is called rediscovering the pearl of great price Thank you again for listening to our podcast. This has been episode 26 of Fishers of Men. Mm. We are graduating. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> so if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we would really love to hear from you. Please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men, on Twitter as at LA Gone Fishing, and even on Instagram because we're, we're cool. super cool like that. Mm -hmm. And our name is what? Fishers of Men. Fishers of Men podcast with an underscore, with underscore in between words. Also, please, if you have a chance, rate and make comments on iTunes because that's a really important way to get our podcast out there so that other people can discover us. I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.